It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Friday here on the Locked On Reds podcast. It is phoned in Friday. Welcome into the show. My name is Jeff Carr. I am the host, your cheap seat crony, and your secondhand expert, bringing you the only daily podcast for your Cincinnati Reds. Today, I welcome in for a nice conversation about spring training and even a little bit about the Indians. The Indians reporter himself and former host of the Lockdown Reds podcast, James Rapine from 92.3 The Fan. He was gracious enough to join me for today's podcast. But before we get to that interview, make sure you're subscribed on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Also, check us out on social media at Lockdown Reds and at Jeff Carr with three F's. And look us up at LockedOnReds.com. So here is the interview. And here we go. All right, today for Phone It In Friday, I have back on the show recurring guest officially, the man who used to host this show and also now the crack reporter for the Indians and the Cleveland Cavaliers up for 92.3 The Fan. I'm talking to James Rapine. James, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well, Jeff. How are you, man? I could not be better. Well, I could be better if I was out in Arizona. It's a little bit warmer out there. but <laughs> I hear you. I'm with you, man. <laughs> man, um, it's funny because, you know, you come up with a, a set of things to talk about and then stuff just hits the fan randomly. Let's talk a little bit about Trevor Bauer. Um, from a Reds perspective, the, the Reds were rumored to at least be interested in trading for Trevor Bauer at the beginning of the offseason. And, you know, the the Indians were pretty staunch that they were looking to trade Corey Kluber, if anything at all. With this new development in his idea of character assassination, does that move the needle at all in terms of the Indians might be looking to get rid of him? Uh, I, I don't think so completely. Uh, I do think it's interesting because I know the Indians are frustrated with his use of social media, with how dramatic he can be. You know, I, I mean, I, I wrote about it today at 923thefan.com. Like, to me, he he plays the victim, and I wouldn't be shocked, even though I've only been in Cleveland a few months, if he sees that and he gets mad at me for it. But it, it's true. In, in just <laughs> a few months and just talking with people around the organization and talking to people that have covered him, he plays that role. Um, as for a trade, I think the Indians – what, if this year doesn't go well, I think the Indians could certainly put him on the block, so to speak, at the deadline. Or if things do go well, I could see him being moved next year. It's in the final year of his arbitration. His next year, he's set to be a free agent in 2021. So I could see that uh, being the case. And if you're the Reds, here's the one thing, or any team that wants to trade for Trevor Bauer, he's talked about only signing one-year deals his entire career. And knowing what I know about him, not like I know I'm like I'm not tight with him. He's not my best friend or anything. But to me, I think that that'll be the case, that he's going to stick that out and try to make as much money as he can year by year. And that's what he plans to do. And I think that's what he will do. So if you're talking Reds trading form or any major league team, that's something that you certainly have to be at least aware of and thinking about when you're talking about trading for him. It's a key bit of information because that almost sounds like, I mean, you know, you hear about it a lot more in the NBA with players just telling 
other teams that may be looking to acquire them. Like, hey, look, I'm not going to sign a long-term deal unless you're the Lakers, you know, in the case of Anthony Davis. But um, mm-hmm. that's interesting that Trevor Bauer kind of feels that way. Uh, do you get the sense – I mean, it's one of the things that led to him being dealt from Arizona. He was seen as their top prospect back then, and they just couldn't make a connection character-wise. How um, how tight-knit would you say the front office is when it comes to the character of their guys and how they feel that way? Yeah, I think – it's interesting because if you talk to Bowers' teammates, they love him, right? And they they think the world of him. But when you have an arbitration hearing, it comes down to dollars. The Indians wanted to pay ten and a half. Bauer wanted thirteen. Then they tried to meet in the middle, uh, or tried to meet him in the middle, or even go up to twelve. And, and he was still on that thirteen million dollar number. And, and I think what Bauer's saying, and, and by the way, Bauer won, uh, but right. which is fine because he's worth that. But what Bauer was frustrated with, and he attended this hearing, and basically it's the Indians lawyers trying to explain to someone that it doesn't represent the team, that doesn't represent Bauer, why their number is more accurate. So if you're an, a million, you know, let's say your boss is, is basically negotiating with you, they're going to come back with a number and try to get you to agree to that or, or get convinced in this case, convince a neutral party to agree to it. So I think the Indians did what any major league baseball organization would do. They mentioned his use of social media, which is certainly an issue, which has certainly caused waves. And uh, so it, it is interesting. And I think the front office views it that way. They probably won't go on record and say that. And that's where I think Trevor Bauer is bothered is because uh, Mike Chernoff, the general manager, President Chris Antonetti, they weren't there. Um, so, so they weren't there to say it. It was their lawyers and attorneys saying it, and that bothers him. So I get that point. At the same time, most players don't even attend their hearings. They let their lawyers do it because <laughs> they know that there's a chance that they could be bad-mouthed a little bit. So uh, especially in Bauer's case, I mean, he had to have known that social media would get brought up. So to me, it uh, it is interesting. I don't think his teammates – view him as a bad guy or anything. And I don't think he's a bad guy. I think he's unique. I think he's different. Um, but but it, it isn't shocking that, that the Indians attorneys did that and brought that up during the hearing. Sure. I mean, attorneys, they're, you know, they're always going to lobby for their clients more so than the guy they're facing. But it's, it's funny. You ever watch Seinfeld? Oh, yeah. Trevor Bauer is, like, striking me as Uncle Leo. Like, why didn't you say hello? Like, come on, why, <laughs> why didn't you show up to my hearing? Where, where, you, where were you guys at? Yeah, I hear you. That's funny. But uh, thinking of the Indians pitchers, and I kind of talked with C. Trent about this a little bit too. Um, <laughs> I'm just picturing really bad eyebrows right now. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, he found it watching a trash can. How about that? Um, <laughs> but, uh, I'm sure he, I'm sure he's got a much nicer watch than that. Anyway, um, uh, I talked a little bit with C. Trent about. Corey Kluber, just from the Indian side of things, and not even focus more on the Reds, because C. Trent said that they were never really close. How close were the Indians to dealing Corey Kluber at all? I don't think they were ever close. Uh, when I, I got here December 1st, and they had already traded Jan Gomes, they had already made multiple trades. Edwin Encarnacion was dealt just a couple days later, and, and it was... Pretty much, all right, let's cut some salary from 20, the 2019 payroll. They had done that, and one of the ideas floated. They knew they had to cut salary. 
so one of the ways they could have done that was trade a Corey Kluber, was potentially trade Trevor Bauer, who now we know is making $13 million in 2019. And so when they made those moves, it became very clear that they didn't have to trade a starting pitcher. Now, I think they were certainly open to, to picking up the phone. They were certainly listening to any and all offers. But they would have really need to been need to have been uh, blown away by an offer, I think, to, to move one of those guys because they've been very adamant on building for the future this year and cutting costs and getting younger while also competing to win the division. And fans here are a little restless because you look at that outfield and it's very questionable. You look at the bullpen, questionable. Now Francisco Lindor goes down uh, with a calf strain. Who knows when he'll be back? He's projected to be back like the second week of the season. But there are things that are starting to unravel. But the Indians, they want to be competitive this year. They probably know they're not going to compete for a World Series, but they want to get in the playoffs and see. Um, And that's why I don't think they could have realistically said, hey, we're going to trade Trevor Bauer or Corey Kluber and compete at that level. And so I I don't think it was ever that realistic. If the Reds would have came in and said, we're going to give you Nick Senzel and we're going to give you this and we're going to give you that, then I think they would have listened. Uh, But obviously the Reds didn't do that, and I don't think any other team in baseball did that. Or the Indians' asking price was just so high that no one wanted to touch them. I do commend the Indians for the way that they handled that. I mean, it was one of those things where the rumors began at the beginning of the offseason, kind of about the same time that the Marlins rumors with the JT Romuto trade stuff came Mm -hmm. out. And it seemed like the Marlins were almost reporting everyone's offers, and the Indians were like, no, no, we're not going to do that. So, I mean, just from the way that it seemed to me, it it was kind of nice there. And kind of one more thing about the Indians before we jump to our favorite team. Um, (laughs) Are Indians fans – I mean, for for another year, they're predicted to win the AL Central. Are Indians fans bored of division championships yet? Yeah, you know what they are? Uh, Indians fans are where Bengals fans were after the 2015 season. Sure. It's, it, it's the, the parallel is, is it, it really interesting to me. Now the Indians did make the world series and were so, so close in a game seven of, of winning it in 2016. And I think that that year they overachieved and it set the bar so high that going to the playoffs wasn't enough because they lost five straight playoff games. They've lost back to back years in, in the Divisional round. So to me, that that is um, th- that's the key here. Is is when you think back to fifteen with the Bengals. It, after that year, it was okay. Look, I, I don't care about an AFC North championship. I want playoff success. And the fact that the front office and that the organization, instead of going for it even more and doubling down, they're kind of pulling back and realizing maybe they can't win a World Series now, and kind of acknowledging that without coming out and saying it because you can never say that while also building for the future and trying to remain competitive now, which is a very tough thing to do. What they want to do, and it makes sense, is avoid what the Reds had to do in 2014-2015, where it's, oh my God, we have to rebuild completely from the ground up. And and they're trying to avoid that and rebuild on the fly. And, And I think it can work. It's just really hard to do. And as a as a fan, you always want to see your team go all in. And the Reds did, right? They went all in, Shin Su Chu and all of that back in 2013. But then you saw the after effects. Billy Hamilton comes up not ready yet. And, and, and the whole team, the whole organization takes a step back. So uh, that to me is what the Indians are trying to avoid. But fans naturally want them to go for it. So it's a 
a give and take. So, yeah, I think most Indians fans unhappy and think back to 2016 Bengals and just wanting to see uh, wanting to see more than just the playoffs and, and wanting to see playoff success and, and compete for championships. And I think that's where Indians fans are. And I think that's where Bengals fans were a couple of years ago. I admire their success because, you know, I think the Reds tried that, but they held on to the wrong guys and they didn't make the right deals and all that good stuff. And the nice thing is it feels like, at least from the front office perspective, we're almost on the other side of that because I feel like they've made some better deals this offseason. We're going to take a quick break in the action here for the interview with James Rapine for a few ads. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. In nine days, it all begins. Out in Goodyear as the Reds and the Indians square off. We're talking about Cactus League spring training action out in beautiful Arizona, the home base for baseball fans. There's great weather in the landscapes in the month of February when, if you're like me and you live in the state of Ohio, you're not thinking about great weather. Arizona's got that. They have the beautiful backdrop to watch the amazing game of baseball in which Cincinnati will be playing all sorts of awesome teams. There's even 14 other teams all within 50 miles of each other in greater Phoenix. You want to take the kids? There's great resorts with all sorts of family-friendly activities for them to do. And then outside of the ballpark, we're talking about amazing restaurants with great food, great landscapes like the Grand Canyon and Monument Valley. There's even historic places for cowboy fans like me to go see Tombstone and the OK Corral. It's got it all. So if you're looking to book an awesome trip within the next month, go to visitarizona.com slash spring training to book your spring training trip out to Cactus League Action in Arizona today. That's visitarizona.com slash spring training. Arizona is the home base for baseball fans. Kind of segueing into our favorite team in the Cincinnati Reds coming into this spring training. What are your feelings when it comes to looking at the returners? I know we've talked a lot this off season about the new guys, but let's talk about Joey Votto for a second. Is he going to hit 12 home runs again this year? No, Joey Votto is going to bounce back. I think it's a, an obvious, obvious statement. I just, I think this is what I picture Joey Votto's off season. He, Obviously, hears and all the all the players here, every professional athlete hears at least some of the the gripes or complaints about him, um, and, and he knows that he didn't have his best year last year. So I picture him in a lab, refining his swing, <laughs> getting stronger, doing everything he can to come back a, a better player. Now, is Vado going to hit for thirty plus home runs like he did two years ago? I don't think that, but I've never really thought of Vado as that type of player. Right. I think twenty to twenty five home runs is fair. I think the on-base percentage will still stay high. 
and then you're going to see him you know, hit singles and get on base and do everything he does. So I think he will bounce back and have a really good year. Uh, and he's just one of those guys. I think he obsesses about the game, and I'm willing to bet on those kind of kind of players. So if I'm a Reds fan, I'm not worried about Joey Votto at all, especially given this offseason, given hope. Right? Hope is powerful. Hope is motivating. Yeah. For the first time in a long time, Joey Votto ha- has seen this organization at least put some of their chips on the table to be competitive again. And I think that's really motivating, especially it's motivating for fans. Imagine how motivating it is for players. Exactly. And I, you're right. Like with his focus and his just his want to play the game and to play it at a high level, I almost imagine he went home and he like wrote the number 12 and then, you know, I forget how many RBIs he had, but I felt like he painted it on his wall so that he'd see it every day. <laughs> So I, you know, I, I just see Joey as like one of those guys, mm, man, I want to hit home runs right now. I know it's like December 5th, but let's go. But um, and it kind of like what you were talking about with the hope. Um, when you're Tucker Barnhart, and I, I read Seatrent's uh, interview that he had with Tucker, and it, it was, you know, I mean, we talk about the Reds every single day, but I'm a, I'm a fan too. And when I read that, I almost kind of like felt bad forever saying, man, Get GT Real Muto. Like, I saw that, and I'm like, man, I, I totally sympathize with him. When it comes to Tucker in this season, does he, you know, ramp it up a little bit? Not that he has to, right? You know, he's already a pretty decent catcher, but do you see even a bigger year like saying, hey, look, guys, I'm the guy you want the rest of, my, you know, my contract, maybe the rest of my career? How do you see that playing out? Yeah, I think – knowing that there was a chance that he could have been dealt or included in a Real Muto trade, or maybe he could have been dealt in another trade with the, the JT talks happening. I think that that's certainly motivating. I mean, if you found out that your employer was looking at other, um, other candidates uh, for your job, yeah, it's going to be motivating. Now there was a scenario I saw where they could keep both catchers and obviously it doesn't matter because Tucker's going to be the guy. Right. Uh, but I think it's motivating. I also think that he's emerging uh, he's a really good defensive catcher. And, and I think that he was going to be good to go regardless. And the hope thing is probably the most motivation, right? It is in to me. And I know he tweeted about it. Um, it's once he saw that Real Muto was traded, it was more, OK, good. I get to be a part of this. Because they built, you know, I've went through all the losing, and now we have a chance to actually win. Now, who knows if they actually do win, but they feel like they have a chance. So I think the biggest thing, because Tucker's good enough, he's going to play somewhere, right? And he's going to get paid and all of that stuff. But knowing that he's going to be in Cincinnati, knowing now that he can be on this team with Puig and Kemp and all the guys that they traded for with a better rotation than they've had in quite some time, uh, I think he's probably just excited that he gets to be a part of it. And when we're talking about returners, uh, the next guy I want to look at is a dude who just about everybody and their mother, except for himself, has predicted that he would regress. You know, last year they said he was coming down to earth. Now this year there's people that saying he's come down to earth. Have we seen the best of Scooter Jeanette and is he going back down? Or do you think he can keep playing, you know, maybe not at the exact level that he's playing at, but really close? I think he can still be and he will still be a good player. Now, is he going to hit three 
20? Is he going to be in contention, uh, you know, in September? Are, you, are we going to be talking about, oh, with a batting title, you know, lead the league in average? Is that going to happen? I don't think so. Um, but but last year I was saying the same thing. <laughs> you know, I was saying, right. oh, Scooter's going to take a step back. That's going to happen. And then he didn't. And obviously he fizzled out towards the end of last season. But if he can give you uh, – because this lineup, I mean, if you look at it, it should have – uh, they shouldn't struggle to score runs. Uh, so to me, if he can hit 280, uh, I, I think that's right on right in line. You know, get on base like he did last year, and, and kind of be that that guy that that sometimes is going to go for four for four. Other days it's going to be one for four, right? And, and that, that's just him. But so to me, yeah, 280. That's a, a, a solid expectation for him, um, and, and he's a good player. I, I'll credit him. Um, I never would have thought when they had got him a couple of years ago that he would have had the impact he had really out of the gate wearing uh, Brandon Phillips number last year. I, I expected a step back and it didn't happen. So year three with the Reds, why not have pretty high expectations for Scooter Jeanette? He's proven to be a good major league baseball player. Absolutely. And, you know, we talked about the returners kind of looking ahead to the future. Obviously we haven't seen any sort of spring training games or any sort of performances yet, but who is your opening day starter? Oh, who is my, <laughs> it's a That's tough one. I know it's, it's yeah, a hard it, one. It, it's tough. I'm going to go with Luis Castillo. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm <laughs> I, with you. Though. I am. Yeah, I am. I, I think even though you acquire all these, uh, these pieces, um, I remember before I left Cincinnati, the, the question was, not in my state. I remember talking about it on this podcast. You can't go get one guy. Right. You know, you can't just go get Corey Kluber and expect it to be it and expect it to be done. And to the Reds' credit, no, they didn't get someone to that caliber, but they got multiple good pieces. And to me, if the, the key to this whole rotation is Luis Castillo coming up and emerging as the ace, and it comes out of nowhere, it can happen out of nowhere, and he flashed it last year, flashed it the year prior. I know he had some up and downs. I know on paper his numbers don't match with some of the other starters in the rotation, but I think he has a very high ceiling. I think if he has a good spring, we could see him start opening day. And um, if the Reds are really going to make a playoff push, I think that that their hopes not hinge on him, but him having success and becoming what I think a lot of people think he can become, uh, I think that would go a long way in, in them having the success a lot of people hope they have, which is compete for the the Central in, in a championship there in that division, which is one of the toughest divisions in baseball. But I think Castillo is a, a big part of that if he can play well and, and reach his full potential. And I think this year is the year that he'll, he'll do that and start on opening day. Definitely. And, and I'm with you. I agree with you. I think it's going to be Castillo. He's the one guy that – you know, we've talked about the new guys and how last year all three of them really kind of had down years according to their career and how, you know, getting with Derek Johnson may be able to resurrect something in their careers and get them back to where they were. We've even talked about, you know, guys like Robert Stevenson and Cody Reed and Sal Romano, how they can benefit from Derek Johnson. What no one has really looked at yet is how is he going to take Luis Castillo to that next step. Everyone says mm -hmm. that he's got ace potential, but – I think, and it's something that David Bell said on uh, Mo Egger's show the other day, is that he doesn't focus necessarily on what a player does bad and tries to improve that. He focuses on what someone does good, and he's like, all right, how can we do this great? And, mm -hmm. I, and I think between his fastball 
in a circle change, if he turns in that, if he turns Castillo's, you know, those two pitches into what Johnny Cueto had, then we got our ace. And yeah, I don't. Th- and to me, in, in sport, I don't. I don't mean to cut you off, but to me, in sports, that's the key to coaching. It's not, oh, let's get you really good at 800 different things. Right. It, it, it's really the key to life. Who gets paid? Someone who's good at 300 different things or someone who's really great at one or two things? Right. Um, I was a liberal arts major for two years, and I realized, hey, you can't just be well-rounded, man. You better start to be good at something. Unfortunately, yeah. I haven't found what I'm good at. <laughs> but the, to me, that's the key, and I, I'm 100% with you if Johnson can unlock that potential who cares if he doesn't have six pitches to throw with? It doesn't matter. It is, if two are great or three are great, uh, then it'll be fine. By the way, Mariano Rivera had one pitch. I know yep. he's a closer. Yep. I know starters need more than one. But the first unanimous Hall of Famer ever had one pitch. So I'm with you. Be great at what you're great at. Um, and then you can you pitch around that and work around that. If he's great and has two great pitches and two so-so to below average pitches – I'll take that because you have two great pitches versus three okay ones. Absolutely. Well, James, I know that you know we've gotten a little bit long here, so I really appreciate you giving me some of your time today. Uh, like I said, go check out his work at 92.3 The Fan. We're talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Cleveland Indians and a little bit of the Cleveland Browns too. And, um, you know, I won't ask you about Kareem Hunt or anything like that. No. <laughs> um, uh, James, thank you for your time, man. Of course, man. Thanks for having me. Hopefully we can do this again. And hopefully when we're talking about this fall in October, the Reds make another move or two at the deadline. The Indians shock the entire city of Cleveland. And we're talking about a, a Reds Indians World Series. That would be fun. So I, I want that to happen selfishly for me. Battle of Ohio for a ring. The whole state of Ohio would just be lit for like a whole month. And I would be at all seven games. You can mark my words. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) James, thanks, man. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure having James on the show. It's fun talking to him about baseball and our favorite team, the Cincinnati Reds. Thank you all so much for downloading and listening to today's podcast and really the rest of the podcast this week. If you've missed any, make sure you go back and download and check them out. Got some good content in there. And this next week, there'll be more spring training action to talk about, some more developments and news and notes and analysis, all that good stuff. Check it out on the Locked On Reds podcast, your only daily podcast for your favorite team, the Cincinnati Reds. My name is Jeff Carr. I'm your host, and I will talk to you on Monday. Y'all have a great weekend. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 